You're very welcome back to another episode of the League of Ireland Women's National League podcast. We're not quite sure what the name of it is anymore, but there's been so many rebrandings. We're firmly in World Cup final mode at the moment, just a couple of days. We will have a proper preview of that in the next 48 hours on the podcast. We'll be joined by somebody who has just started off on her own Spanish adventure in, uh, by virtue of the Spanish being in that uh, World Cup final. Someone who knows all about the World Cup final and, and even brought me back a gift. Uh, thank you very much for that, Aaron. Um, you've been to the World Cup. Uh, you're back. Uh, thoughts on the whole experience? Loved it. Loved every bit of it. And I'm sure your last, I guess, today was also at the World Cup. It was an unbelievable experience, not just for for Ireland, but the fact of actually seeing the other games. I think I was asked sort of yesterday to pick a highlight. I, probably, I, I struggled to pick a highlight from the trip. You know, I got to see Spain, Sweden, got to see Nor- uh, Nigeria against Australia. Obviously, the Ireland games, England, Nigeria. Got to see some absolute epic events at the World Cup. Uh, the, the goal from Panama from 35 yards and the free kick. Like, there's been so many different things. It's been a highlight, the World Cup of highlights. And the great thing is, is that a lot of people had a lot of, how would you say, caution towards the World Cup because of the fact that it was expanded to, to 32 teams. But, by God, the, the, the gap is closed between the worst team in the World Cup and the, and the best team in the World Cup. And I think the expansion has been has been perfectly timed and this World Cup has just shown how much it means even to the smaller countries. I think one of the highlights of not of football wise from not being at a game is probably watching Panama uh, watching Germany versus Colombia in the fan zone in Brisbane. Three thousand Colombian fans there watching the game and went when when Casado scored for them epic, you know, it was just unbelievable. Uh, what an experience. Great, great for great for Ireland to be there for the first time. Lots to take away from an Ireland viewpoint, but Overall, I think the World Cup's been a massive success. I even managed to catch the games and then back home. It feels weird watching them on this side of the world, though. The only thing I will say is the Irish people are spoiled for the fact that every game is free to air over here. Same in the UK, because in Australia, you have to pay, you have to pay for up the sport to watch majority of the games, which is a bit of a, a pinch point for, for a lot of fans. So, thankfully, I had fans on. But, yeah, it was a, an unbelievable trip. Well, I might be outnumbered by people who are at the World Cup in a few minutes. We're going to be speaking to Rachel Graham from Shells in just a couple of moments about her trip to the World Cup, about their season so far. Uh, the gap to the top of the table will get mentioned as well. And we'll also be talking about their new hat-trick promotion, uh, which gives free access uh, to uh, the next three games to try and build on that wave of interest, uh, particularly in Dublin, I suppose, around the... Uh, Don't forget they also have the Champions League, the little thing of the Champions League coming up in, in what less than three weeks. No, it's it's uh, hasn't hasn't escaped my attention, but uh, <laughs> they will have that little trip, and they've got some nice uh, games lined up. There. Two games, of course. Now it's slightly changed; it's not a group anymore. It's a kind of semi-finals, and then maybe a, a final, hopefully, uh, or a third, fourth place playoff. So uh, they've been in this situation before the last couple of seasons. We'll talk to Rachel about all of that in just a couple of moments. But Aaron, um, before I, we sign off on on your trip to the to the World Cup. Uh, Pick your least favorite moment, seeing as you don't have a highlight. Ooh. Anything bad? Anything you would have changed? Yeah, Perth. <laughs> I liked Perth when I was there. I, I just like, found Perth. Perth was very nice to me. Own, if I was to say things, there's, there's two things that there's two slight regrets I have from, from from the trip to Australia. One being the fact that I didn't get to Adelaide. It's the only World Cup stadium in Australia I didn't get to. And the other that I didn't get a trip across New Zealand, but I got to see some unbelievable things. I got eight World Cup games, four AFL games, got to climb the bridge, the Story Bridge in, in Brisbane, got to watch the sunset over over the harbour in Sydney. You know, what more could I ask for? A trip of a lifetime. Thankfully, thanks to Ireland for, for qualifying for the World Cup and giving me an excuse to go to Australia. That's that's the way I look at it and finished off with a with a with a long, long flight home. That was something I, I'm glad I don't have to do long flights for a while. Well, do you know what? You're lucky because there was a time when they didn't let people back from Australia when they sent them over there. <laughs> so uh, one other person who, of course, uh, is just back from down under uh, is Rachel Graham of Shelburne. Rachel, you're very, very welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. The, the pleasure is all ours. I suppose we might as well start there. We're going to chat, I suppose, specifically about the Reds Hattrick promotion uh, later on in the show. And it's something that people really should kind of stay tuned if they want to find out more about that, because it's a, a great offer for, for kids uh, around the area to kind of get the experience of actually going to a game themselves and, and support their, their the stars that are on, on show, yourself included. Uh, but first of all, World Cup, uh, your thoughts on your trip over there? Was it uh, was it football-focused or was it more about the, the fun? I, th- I think I had a bit of both. I think I 
got to do a lot of touristy stuff, which was brilliant. We done snorkeling on the Great Barrier Reef, went surfing, done all of that, and then obviously got the World Cup side of it as well, which was amazing. I just I can't even compare it to anything I've experienced before, and I'm sure Aaron was the same. It's just it was just a different level over there. Well and truly, well and truly, like it's something. Everything, everything that was there, like even the fact of the cities and getting to see things that we probably probably can only dream of seeing. Like I know you've been in Australia before, Bethany, but like when you when you get that chance, you sort of like you know you have to maximize. And I think that's the one thing that I tried to do outside of football was was maximize the opportunities that were there. Like and I think from a from a viewpoint, the, the great thing is is that. The amount of people that went over from Ireland, I think that's probably something that 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 has to be recognised. I think the FAI said there was two thousand over two thousand tickets bought directly from from the likes of that they were aware of, plus the others that we don't know about that bought tickets directly through FIFA. Like I think it's unbelievable the support, and many people got a holiday of a lifetime. Absolutely, yeah. You took the easy option out, though. You took a plane across country. Uh, I, I love to see it try the way I got across. Uh, and in terms of shells, though, uh, Rachel, it's been a, a kind of a strange season for everybody. We're seeing a, a lot of change, players moving around, uh, but also uh, not that much change either. Shells and Piedmont still in that top three or four spots in the league when we get down to the business end. Uh, your thoughts on the season so far? Look, I think it's been a tough one. Um, it's obviously been start and stop. We've had a break now of, if you take out the All-Island Cup, it's probably nearly nine weeks. Um, so you're kind of nearly starting a new pre-season and you're coming in and a lot has changed. The new phases we've lost. Jesse, obviously, who's a massive loss. Um, but yeah, look, so far, it's, you know, we're not obviously not where we want to be. We're in second and six points off P-Mount. But it's been a tough year because we've only played each other twice this year and usually you kind of have the extra game to catch up the points you might have dropped. But there was little room for error this year and unfortunately we lost and drew a few that we, you know, in other seasons we could have won. So, look, Piedmont have been very consistent and in fairness, they do deserve to be top of the league. So, we just need to focus ourselves now and hopefully, um, you know, the end of the season goes their way. It's been a stranger now, even with the likes of injuries as well. We've seen, like, yourself pick up a couple of knocks, Pearl Slattery as well, someone who's probably not missed many games. And it was, it's a, with, with the shortened season, there was a lot of condensed games as well where maybe we previous years we've seen little bits of gaps where, but those times where you're playing five, six, seven weeks in a row, how do you sort of prepare mentally as and physically as a, as a player to know you, you've got this sort of season ahead? You've got the 12 games before the World Cup, 12 or 13 games before the World Cup, you've got the eight-week gap, and then you've got the, the second half of the season. How was that sort of from a, from a player viewpoint? It was kind of tough because we've obviously never experienced that before. We've obviously had breaks where you play three or four weeks and you might get it to national window you get a week off and then you come back. But to have such a big break was was really strange. And then we obviously had the All-Ireland Cup, which was, I think most squads kind of used as like, you know, rotation for a squad. So it was really tough. It's something that we never experienced before. So it was hard to prepare for. But um, we just come back now. We're back in training a few weeks. So it's nearly like you're just back in a, pre- a little mini pre-season. You know, it's everyone's come back flying. So it, it hasn't been too much of an issue for us, to be fair. Of course, uh, the Champions League also, as Aaron mentioned in the introduction, um, Lithuania, some yeah. interesting teams uh, in that section or in that whatever they call it now, the, the group. Um, you've been to this stage before. Can you get out of that group? Can you get to the, the knockout stages proper? Even though this is knockout, it's all a bit strange. But Yeah, the format is obviously a bit different than it was years ago. But um, look, last year we went, we competed, we won our first game. Um, the second game then was obviously a little bit too much for us. So, look, we definitely we always have a chance. Uh, we know Glasgow are going to be really tough, but you know if we're if we're on it and we're hard to play against, you know they're I'm sure not expecting an easy game from us. So it's definitely doable. But I just think we need to be at our best to to beat them. Familiar faces in that in that in that front as well. Obviously, they come up against Claire Walsh and and X Red and, and Emily Whelan. First time probably coming up against coming up against Emily since she left. That'll be strange though, considering normally when they leave, they, they go to England. You don't really play against them again, but they have the opportunity to play against Emily. Yeah, that would be a strange. And look, we've I've marked Emily enough times in training to know it's going to be tough. But hopefully, it's Pearl there, not me. But um, that gives us hope as well that there's players playing there who you know, have played in their league and we've played against and so, you know, we're not a million, million miles away from them. It might just be they're more full-time than we are, but I think quality and talent-wise, I think, you know, it's pretty similar. 
you mentioned uh, the fact that there's a familiarity there as well. Of course, it's not the first time that Glasgow have played Irish opposition. They played uh, Piedmont a couple of years ago, I think during COVID, uh, back in 2020 perhaps, or 2021. Um, Pease almost beat them, went to penalties on the, that night. Can you go that one step further? Can you kind of, which would be a big scalp for, um, for a team in the League of Ireland now, maybe bigger than it would have been before Scotland seemed to have got themselves so kind of, a little bit a step ahead of us in terms of the professionalism. Yeah, look, that's obviously the plan. We want to win, but I think we need to be clever. You know, we need to recognise the talent in the opposition and the level of the opposition that we're coming up against. And we might need to adjust their, their game plan that we normally have on a weekend. But it's, yeah, it's, it's about being clever at this stage. But I definitely think it's possible. It's, you know, 11 v 11 at the end of the day. And it's, you know, you always have a chance. Considering a couple of league games before you head to the, to the World Cup, at the Champions League, is is it helpful to have the fact that you've got the league and you've got the cup? Albeit, you know, your cup draws probably one of the better cup draws for you. Is it is it better to have them couple of games, or how do you sort of ensure that you're fully prepared going into that? Because it's it's difficult having come from such a short break because you're literally back into season for a couple of two two and a half weeks and then you're playing that game. Yeah, like it's look. I for me, I would rather have the games. I think it's better. It's, the best way to prepare for a game is playing games. Um, so we obviously have the couple of games that we don't play in the cup weekend. So we probably arrange our own either in-house game or... Yeah, you're all. Yeah, we have a buy in that round. So that'll be a week. Well, it won't be a week off. We'll have, you know, different opposition than in the league. But um, I think it's better because I think if you spend too long focusing and worrying about Glasgow, it just like that it becomes a worry where we're focused now on our game against Treaty and then we have that loan and then we go. Um, so I, th- I think it's better that way and it's, it keeps you focused, it keeps you fit and sharp um, I wouldn't want to be not playing for two weeks and then going away, I just think you're better off getting the games in In terms of uh, I suppose the, the transfer window still kind of open for um, for international transfers and stuff like that we're seeing some some business been done in the last couple of days and even the last couple of minutes as we record this on, on Thursday night at Galway, two big announcements today, the signing of Julian Russell and uh, Orla DC. Shells, a couple of uh, academy girls came in, one or two other sign-ins. Um, last year, you brought in, a, a, I suppose, a, a world-renowned sign-in in Heather O'Reilly. Can we expect to see anything from Shells? Have you any secrets now? I know you like to keep things fairly tight-lipped up there in uh, Talk Park. Yeah, look, there won't be as big of a sign as Heather O'Reilly. I think I think you're all shocked by that one. But uh, now we've signed a few. Um, some internationals have come in and, you know, they haven't had much time to adjust, but they're in and they're doing really well and, we brought up Lucy and Katie then from the underage who are, I mean, super players and definitely one for the future. So it's just about getting everyone gelled together now before we go away. And like I said, the best way to do that is we've an away trip now to the trees. So might have a few sing songs on the bus and a few initiation songs out of the girls. But um, yeah, it's just about getting the team together now and getting us prepped for, first of all, our league games and then our Champions League games. Who's the, the, the main driver of the initiation? Who can actually hold the note in the... In the... Oh, I don't know if anyone can hold it. <laughs> Everyone's done it, and I think this rule is like it's no phones, it's not on social media. You just go up and you do it, and that's that. But in fairness, everyone's done it, so we'll hold the new girls to that as well. What did you do back in your day? Well, I never actually done it because it so was you're funny. doing it this weekend, then you just outed yourself. <laughs> yeah. Love it. It was funny because obviously we were Raheen and we merged with shells. And our first bus journey, it was me, Per, and Lowell saying, oh, all the new girls, you know, have to sing. And then we realised, oh, God, we're actually new to shells. We better shut up and say nothing. So <laughs> yeah, we actually you to, You've just outed the three of you for, for the weekend. Congratulations. Yeah, we've, dodged we've dodged it, but uh, no. Under authorities, I only have to do it. <laughs> you mentioned there about, like, you know, the Rohini merger coming into shells. For you, because you've been around this league for a long time, you made your, what, 150th pairing for, shell, for shells this, this season. What keeps you going, though, when it comes to, you know, wanting to constantly, especially when you see all these young players coming in through the door, what keeps you going to want to keep playing and constantly keep playing and striving at this level, though? I think I just enjoy it. Uh, I always said, obviously, we're coming towards the end now, and it's like I always said, as long as I'm enjoying it, as long as I'm still able to compete and play, I'll play. I mean, you're going out with your friends every week as well. It's nice and to share these memories of winning leagues and winning cups and going away and playing abroad. It's it's stuff you can't really replicate in any other walk of life. I, I can't imagine any other way of doing it. But um, I think I've just always enjoyed it. It's something I've always loved doing and, and will do as long as I can. But even with the hunger, like considering what you've won, that's for me is the biggest 
because it's easy when you've won everything to just be like, I've won it all. Like for you to sort of continue to go out there and, you know, especially when you look upon Pima win the league for a couple of years in a row and then to, to win it back. Like where does it, who who drives the standards within Shells? Is it the senior players? Is it the younger players now coming in, trying to bring them on even further? Who, who's the sort of main driver? Look, obviously, you know, myself, Pearl and Lowell are the senior players in the squad. But um, to be fair, like, we've never really had to motivate the younger players. They've always wanted to be hungry and eager to win. And the thing with football isn't a win and success. You, you get greedy, you know, you're not happy with winning one. You say, oh, I want to do it again. And even we won the league in the double last year. It's, you know, the week later, it's like, okay, you know, what can we do for next year? Who can we get? Who can we sign? Who can we, how can we win it again, basically? Like, I don't think you're ever fully satisfied with, okay, I've won it and that's that now. I just think you're always greedy. You're always hungry to win more. Shells have a really good tradition of bringing really good players through that academy. We've seen them go to the UK over the last, particularly over the last maybe six or seven transfer windows, the likes of Emily, Jamie, uh, plenty of others. There's maybe half a dozen or more. Um, in terms of what they might, the girls that are coming in, are we likely to see some of those girls coming through that might be at that same level in a couple of years' time and looking uh, abroad or looking to become kind of no more than yourself, Noel and Pearl, uh, those kind of uh, established players in the team? Yeah, definitely. Like I said, we've Lucy and Katie now who are going to come to Lithuania with us and they're starting to get blooded in. And I mean, they're they're very talented players. And then obviously Hannah Healy um, and Rebecca Devereaux are, have been in the squad since earlier in the season. And I mean, Hannah was 15 and she was starting games for us. Like, that's scary. Um, but no, the talent is definitely there. And I think the structures now are a lot better than they were years ago and they're getting the opportunity to you know, become the best they can be, whether it's here or if they go abroad. But um, definitely there's a lot, a lot of talent. And even we played Piemont at the weekend and the, their young players are very talented as well. So it's not just at Shells, it's all over the country. So it's brilliant to see and whether we can keep them or whether we can't, you know, we just want the best for, for our early league and our players. Two pro, a bit of a two-prong here. First one's more of just of an observation. In terms of, like, I remember watching Rebecca Devereaux at the start of the season, and she done. I can't remember the game. She literally turned and shot, and you'd, you'd swear she, you'd swear she's playing the league about a year or two. The yeah. confidence in her. But for you, though, Rachel, like, how do we keep these players? Like, we're we're talking about the league sort of growing, and we're talking about the league moving to more professional thing. Because as somebody who's who's come through the ranks of of, of the league from a younger age. How do we keep these players going forward? Because, you know, we see constantly that the best talent is sort of handpicked away to go abroad. How do we keep the best players in the league? Yeah, like, I think, first of all, like, you never deny the player to go and play professional. And if it's a great opportunity for them, you don't want to deny them that. But sometimes players go away and they're not actually going for a better level. They're just getting that chance to train full time and, you know, be a class as a professional. So if we can get that into air league, we were training full time or, you know, they have the status of being professional. I think we get to keep a lot more and even they're going over and, you know, it's not as lucrative as men going over. Like they still need to get their education and, you know, they'll be back at some stage and, you know, it'd be nice for them to have degrees. So whether we can get them into colleges here, into full time training programs, could be something to look at. But look, I'd never deny someone an opportunity or tell someone not to do it, but just make sure, you know, we're not you know, losing out that we can offer them the same opportunity here. And obviously it's it's not easy and these things take money and time, but it's definitely, I think, something that we should be looking at to do for our younger players. Is the the PFAI involvement at the start of the season where the league went turned professional and, and adopted the same level, I think, as the as one of the men's divisions? I'm not quite sure off the top of my head which one it, it was, uh, but there was a minimum wage that had to be paid to somebody to be professional which is a decent amount of money, but in the current climate within the women's game in this country, probably unrealistic to have any more, maybe then oh God, one or two, maybe three at a push for one of the bigger for some of the bigger clubs, but it's unrealistic to have fifteen or twenty girls on that race to be full time professional because you're talking probably about something in the region of three or four hundred thousand, which is the same as as a men's team have with huge well not huge audience, but comparatively much bigger audiences and sponsorship and backing and, and and that sort of stuff so is it a double-edged sword for teams to now have to rise to that level to give a girl a professional contract I think look it's obviously tough I think I'm pretty sure Rovers are the only people who have professional contracts nobody at Shells is on one but um, look you always have to be looking to step forward and that's obviously the next step of the game you know every team is not going to be ready to do it yet but 
to have the option to do it is great. And um, even like you said, you know, Emily going away and Jamie going away, like the club don't get anything for that. Um, and they've obviously put a lot of time and resources into it. So if we could have them players on professional contracts, you know, the clubs would benefit a lot from them. But uh, yeah, look, it's unrealistic to have everybody on professional, but it's a step we need to go. And it's having the option to have it is definitely the way you want to go. But, you know, you can see even in the men's games, they're struggling probably to pay wages every week. So, um, yeah, I think it's just having the option there to do it, whether it's it could be semi-pro, maybe is a bit more realistic. Um, I'm sure that's the same in the men's game. But I think it's great to have it. Um, definitely, it's a step forward. It's the way we need to go. But realistically, I'd say it's a good few years before every club is available to offer full-time contracts. But for you, considering when you first would have started in the league to where it's come now, it must be nice to actually see, while maybe you may not benefit from the professional contracts, but to see the next generation or the generation after that will potentially benefit from the option of having that sort of thing like the men. That must be nice, though. Like, sure, only a few years ago, we had to pay €300 to be allowed to play in the league, which is crazy now when you think about it. Um, and if we say that to the younger girls now, they're like, you know, baffled by that, but just, we didn't know any different. So it's even not being out of pocket is a big thing. Like, obviously, we can get expenses now and stuff, which is a huge help. But it's obviously come a long way since then, and it's only going to get bigger and better. But, um, yeah, wh- whether it's professional contracts, I don't know. It could be semi-pro or even covering someone's, you know, tuition to go to college. could be another way of doing it and keeping players here. But... It's definitely on the up, and we just need to keep it that way. You might talk about the resources required, and of course, the resources generally come in from partnerships and sponsorships and, and ticket prices. So, obviously, Shell's uh, crying out for money like the rest of the, the country's football clubs are uh, charging really big money into the next three games. Is that correct? <laughs> well, if you charge zero euro in, I think you can't complain. <laughs> that's, what you're, that's what I was getting at, of course. The, we talked about it at the very, very start of the segment but it's the Reds hat trick uh, shells are opening the gates of Talking Park anyone who wants to it's not limited to age or income or anything like that anyone who wants to go to a game bring their kids to a game uh, if you have young girls in the house do get them down to a game even if they've only have a, a passing interest in football um, just give them that experience you never know it could start something in them that might see them in a couple of years time being in that red jersey themselves or whatever they happen to be and whatever they happen to end up um it's a phenomenal um i suppose given again we talked about limited resources for shells to do that because they're really given nobody an excuse to say oh well, i'm not paying a five or i'm not paying a tenner into a game um it's free in for the next three games they're at loan on the 2nd of september uh, sligo rovers on the 18th and bows on the 4th of november i think there's a slight mix-up i'm not sure if they wanted to give away the bows game uh, but they got <laughs> the games away um we did get two versions of the of the press release let's say whoever counted out the three is kind of kicking themselves because uh, shells bows is a big game that would draw a big crowd but there's a potential to fill talca park for that game now oh, it's going here. To be for both teams like the thing, the thing just before Rachel comes in here, but the thing is, and I know for a fact they've they've done initiatives with Bowes before to sort of help with Bowes season tickets to get Bowes season ticket holders in for them for the men, for the women's game as well. Like the thing, the thing about it is, Raphne, is that it's not the first time Shells have done this, and I think that has to be recognised as well. There was a game, I think it was the first was it the first ever game live on TG Car, or one of the first games live on TG Car. They literally just tweeted a couple of days beforehand. Listen, it's free in. Come and watch the game. I think that, and I think it's probably been, it's probably been, it's a bit of smart, it's a bit of smart marketing, but it's also, as you say, trying to capitalize, trying to capitalize on how can we get, if we get, if they get a hundred fans who come to games after going to three free games and pay in or, or buy or come and watch the team regularly, that's, a, that's extra fans to their fan base. And I think that's probably the most important thing. And I think, everybody's talking, we talked about it at the start of the show about the World Cup, about the positives of the World Cup. And it's one thing that me and you have had many conversations off. It's about how are we going to have a legacy from a World Cup? And this is the first that we've seen of a National League club or a League of Ireland club, as it is now, actually going to try and put a legacy there. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit surprised to see others haven't jumped on the bandwagon and said, we're going to give something, we're going to do something similar. Because I think from Shells, it's it's quite a, it's a smart market employee and it's, it's something that could really work out in their favour. And listen... Trying to get people through the gates, I'm I'm a bit forever trying to tell people to come and watch games, and I think they deserve a lot of credit for. 
Rachel, from your point of view as a player, obviously the money side of things doesn't really come into your head when you're preparing for a game, but what's it like to have that bumper crowd and a loud, noisy kind of cauldron at home against teams like you're facing over the coming weeks? Oh, it's huge. And obviously seeing growth um, in the last few years with air crowds personally, and then obviously Rovers and Bowes have done great with their crowds as well. But we're just, you know, off the back of the World Cup, kind of, you know, how can we promote that obviously the you know the girls have done great and there's young girls watching them on tv but to let them know this is on your doorstep as well and you had Anya and Abby who are playing the world cup who are you know you can go see them playing a Saturday as well but um look it's it's free to come it's three games and um, I think there's a link to sign up to whether you can make one game two or three it, it doesn't matter Um, it'd be great to have a crowd there and we play at Lone the weekend before we go to Lithuania, so that'd be great to have a nice send-off for us. But we just want to promote the, the women's football here, the league, and show, you know, it is quality. And um, you can watch it all you want on the telly, but, you know, you can't beat a live game of football. Can't beat the fact of... The, the best thing about the League of Ireland for me is is post-game. You see all the kids just running onto the pitch. I think for me, that's probably one of the best things, Rachel. For you, I don't know what it's like from being a player when you see all the players coming, running up to you, looking for photographs and autographs. That must be nice. Yeah, like obviously, you know, years ago, pretty much it was friends and family in the crowd and that was pretty much it, to be fair. But uh, in the last few years now, there's kids and they can't wait to meet you after the match. And it's like, it's it's a breath of fresh air and it's it's lovely thing to see. And, you know, these girls are watching you play in the weekend thinking, you know, that could be me one day. And I just think it's, it's a brilliant thing. And we need to, you know, make sure we nurture that and keep that within our game. And, you know, the free entry here, hopefully we get a few bigger crowds in for our games you're not in the game a long time um i think we had the pleasure of actually facing off against each other back in the old dwsl days uh i would have been coaching i think dublin city i remember playing you in st anne's park uh was it st anne's park yeah and you absolutely wiped the floor with us and like you talk about the players that were playing that day for you uh darren Caldwell was there shauna cook was there yourself i think potentially noel was there at the time as well maybe work might have been in goals it was like all these girls that went on to have stellar careers from one group um one group of players that kind of came up under Derek cook i suppose really back in rahini and um you you technically a two two player a two club player but really it's always been kind of the same nucleus so we'll give you the one club player what's it like after 20 years with more or less the same group of girls as the core of it to still be at the level you're playing at now like that's what i was saying earlier the likes of noel and Pearl. like i've played with them since i was 15 16 and they're like they're my best friends but um obviously look very lucky to you know grow up in that group where we had all those great players who have stuck around and stuck with it and I keep playing and keep achieving, but um, I know it's brilliant. And I think the young girls don't realize how lucky they are that I mean, we played in St. Anne's and we used to carry the nets down from the clubhouse and put them up and take them down. Whereas you know, that'd be a, a very foreign concept to them, but um, but look, that's what you know, that's some of the best memories I have playing in Rahini, playing in St. Anne's. So it doesn't even have to be at the best level to to make friends and you know, have make great memories. But um, I know it's been brilliant being able to do it, and obviously, we moved Rahini to Shells, but. I just feel like, you know, when you have the same group of girls around you, it's, you know, you can't beat that feeling. I never asked this question, but what was that merger like, though, for you players? Because at the time, Wexford had won the, just won the league. It was the first time that we'd sort of seen the, the massive dominance because you won a couple of trebles. You'd just won the League Cup. Katie was Katie was still, which is you'd still had the likes of Jamie coming through. You had lots of young players coming. What was that like, though, when, when you get told that, you know, we're becoming Shelburne. The whole Rohini United ethos, uh, the whole Rohini United's way of things is is changing. Yeah, it was obviously like a bit, a bit scary because it was so unknown. And um, but look, I think we knew ourselves that the club couldn't sustain the cost of a League of Ireland setup. And um, but look, Rohini were brilliant to us. We've great memories there. But like I said, it just became too much. So obviously, we married with Shelburne then, which was, you know, it was a bit unknown. But um, we went into it you know, with an open mind and we had a lot of good senior players. They had a lot of good young players. So it actually worked really well. Um, obviously the four or two sessions you get to know each other. And, but like I said, first away trip on a bus and everyone's laughing and joking. It's, it's fine then, but look, it's been brilliant for us. Um, Shells are an unbelievable club to play for. They look after so well, but you know, Rahini done as much as they could, but it just eventually became too much for a grassroots club to, to have a league of Ireland budget and 
look after us in the way that we needed. I remember having conversations with Derek and I think Chuck Dwyer at the time was very involved. I'm not sure how, how involved Chuck is anymore, but um, I'm sure he's still floating around somewhere. But um, it's it's great to see the path. And I suppose that merger or that transition, uh, there's so many trophies and so many international caps at all levels from schoolgirls right up to the senior team. And of course, the, the World Cup uh, this week or the, this month uh, had plenty of Shell slash Rahini representation in it as well. Uh, it's a huge, huge uh, success story in, in women's sport I think uh, and I think over the next three weeks we give a chance maybe to the next generation uh, to get their first taste of uh, the League of Ireland Women's Premier Division uh, we'll put the details on all the if you're looking at this or you're listening to this it'll be in the description in terms of the link but it's shelburnefc.ie forward slash hat trick um, Rachel it's been a pleasure we've probably taken way more of your time than you were expecting we really appreciate you uh, being so generous with your uh, time for the last half hour or so uh, the very very best of luck for the rest of the season in that little title chase we've seen teams slip up before uh, we hope for your sake that it'll be entertaining and maybe might give you a chance to to sneak in and win a third title on, on the bounce but uh, it's going to be an uphill task for the next few weeks and of course best luck in that Champions League uh, endeavour yourselves in Lithuania in a couple of weeks time thanks for joining us thanks very much thanks for having me really enjoyed it Rachel Graham there uh, from Shells uh, Aaron maybe let's talk about the Champions League I know it's a few weeks out yet but we've seen teams do reasonably well at this level uh, particularly maybe the first game and then the second one tends to be a little bit of a higher standard but um, your thoughts about where they're facing into Glasgow um, could be interesting for them can they get up through it to be honest with you, it's probably the right sort of time to play in Glasgow in terms of how things how things are with, with the Scottish League. I, I, I'm I'm more intrigued to see how they get on for the fact of with Ireland getting through the Scotland in the playoff last year, then to sort of see how they mix and match. And it won't be easy. I think Rachel sort of alluded to the fact of the full time training compared to sort of training part time as well. There's, there's a big difference, but. For shells, I think they just need to build a bit of momentum to get into that. I think they need to have a couple of convincing, a couple of convincing league wins. If they can do that, then to go into that, they'll put themselves in, in a good spot. Lithuania, it's listen, it's it's Lithuania. There's nothing you can do. You, you can't. There's nothing you can do. Like it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a tough and old trip. It'll be warm. It'll be warm over there. But I think that they'll they'll sort of if they get through Glasgow, you'd probably say Glasgow might be. The top seeds in the, t- in the in the in the in the competition. So if they can get through Glasgow, they have a good opportunity. And like for me, I think something that I want to see over the next couple of years as part of any sort of strategic plan from the FAI, from anybody involved in the League of Ireland, is that we start to see the team sort of getting past this stage and maybe getting to it. So I'm hopeful that I think they'll put in a, a very good showing. Are they capable of beating Glasgow? If the if the ball falls in the right in the right in the right court, I think they are capable of beating Glasgow. Will they beat Glasgow? They'll have to be on their A game to beat them. That's a, that. There's no doubt about that. But I think um, they've got some young quality talent in there, and I think they'll go all guns blazing. And if they get through that, potential meeting with Ginter Universities, if they win their one, Ginter have been no surprise. The Irish teams played Wexford a couple of times. Wexford obviously beat them once in was in Poland to beat them. Um, so. There's no real surprise. A couple of players who've played in the league, the likes of Maddie Gibson's played for Gintra. Um, Rio, I can't think of her second name, who was with Shells in the first half of the season. She played with Gintra as well. We've had a couple. So, be no surprise to to Irish, to Irish teams. And listen, I'm looking forward. But the only thing, I, the only thing I'm going to plead is, please hope that the game is going to be streamed somewhere so we can actually watch it. That's all my only request for the next couple of weeks. Your thoughts on the format change? Obviously, we've had it for a couple of years now. It kind of came in through COVID. Um, as someone who's been to that stage of the competition where it was a group, you played three games, I felt that extra game, even if it didn't mean you, you progressed, the, the best team in the group would still come out of it. And generally, you can kind of predict who that's going to be. But I don't uh, like it. I don't like it either. I think the extra game just gave you that opportunity for that bit of experience uh, to play a- another game at that level, I felt really pushed some players on. But like, what happens if you make a, you know, something happens in the game? So say something happens, you can see the last minute goal in a in a really really tight game against the number one seeds, you're out. Whereas there could be a really really tight group, and it could come down to something silly that. But I just, I I like the three game group. I thought it was a, it, it was good and. 
Like, I understood why they done it at COVID because of the fact of limiting the amount of time that they spent. I think it was 2020. It was 2020 when Shells played, uh, when p played there because I remember it was the height of the restrictions over here. I like, I like, back then you were just happy just to have Champions League football. But I don't know. I think at the minute the competition has sort of geared too much towards bigger countries and, and things like that. Maybe in the, in the in the coming years we might see uh, something similar to your Europa League for sort of a, a second string team, a second analysis, a second stream of the, the slightly weaker countries. But I think in order for us to ever really have a proper opportunity of doing well in the Champions League, we're going to have to retain our best player, retain our best players. But as Rachel says, you can't stop a player. Likewise, you can't stop the likes of a player going to Shamrock Rovers because the. The, the, the financial offer or the, the offer of a professional contract is better when we've seen the six leaving leaving Shelburne like you can't bl- you can't blame them even though the opportunity of Champions League football was there so I think it's a tough it's a tough one but I, we, in order for us to sort of see progression from Ireland in, in the longer term we probably need to make sure we have all our ducks in a, ducks in a row Absolutely. And uh, let's maybe turn our attention towards the domestic league. Of course, we've been focusing over the last few months on the World Cup and also on uh, the Avenir Sports Cup. Uh, just to wrap that up, I suppose we haven't really probably had done a proper wrap up with that because of the World Cup. But um, your thoughts on that quickly in terms of um, is that competition something you'd like to see grow potentially into a Satanta Cup style tournament or even, and I'm going to throw out there, uh, a mixed league between the two associations? The tournament as it was is not viable in terms of the way the format was done. I don't want to see this competition again if it's done the same way as we've had. It's either going to have the same amount of teams from the north, same amount of teams from the south, or it's going to have every team from both. I That was the only thing that sort of put it put a bit of a, a distaste for me is the fact that we only had half, we only had half the teams from the Northern Irish League from and we all we'd all the teams from from the League of Ireland. For me, that was the that was the only thing. And I said at the start of the tournament, it didn't sit well with me. In terms of the football, brilliant, great, loved what I got to see of it. Uh, for Galway United to win the first ever senior title, absolutely delighted for them. Jemmy McGuinness score, scores and then goes off to AFC Bournemouth. Um, we wish her about the very best of luck with that move, but. It was great. We got to see a lot of players who we may not have seen an awful lot about. We got to see some more of the kids from 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 teams do well. And like for me, the actual tournament as a filler for the World Cup was perfect. Was 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 a great was a great stopgap. Maybe you would have liked to see quarterfinals in it, but listen, that's just probably being nitpicky. But I think I think it's been it's been brilliant and credit to the FAI and the Northern Irish Football League for actually coming together and saying, hold on, we need to do something to help promote it. If if you turn around a couple of years and tell me there's going to be a, an All-Ireland League, yes, there's a lot of things, uh, questions you'd have in terms of how structures will work and stuff like that. But I wouldn't be object to it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't object to it. I was a little bit concerned about the standard of football comparing both leagues, but I thought the, the Northern Irish Football League has shown us how far it's come on in the last couple of years since they've qualified for the for the Euros in England and listen, it was great. It was there was so much so many positives about it. Got to see a lot of games, got to see both both sides of the border. I, th- I think I did I don't even know if I went to I went to one game that was all not all League of Ireland. Every other game had had a mixture of both in it. So got to see a lot of a lot of both and listen, you won't hear any complaints from the actual football on the pitch. I was I really, really, really truly enjoyed it. What was your opinion of it though? I'd be interested. I know I really I thought it was I thought it threw up some fascinating clashes that we would never see in in normal um, circumstances and for players who've been playing maybe in the league for a couple of seasons uh, to see some different faces across the the whitewash um, is is a nice change different clubs different venues different trips different stopping points a whole load of new experiences I'd imagine for a lot of teams um, traveling up to the north and playing. Uh, up there, I thought the standard of football was excellent. Obviously, probably a shade off maybe what we'd see week on week in the league. But uh, given the, the the I suppose players like Rachel not playing part of it, some players been at the World Cup, albeit very very few at, uh, in in a playing context. But a lot gone over maybe to as a, a break as a holiday. And um, we saw a lot of new faces. I thought the final was excellent. I thought it could have been it was one nil, but it could have been six all. It was just phenomenal. Um, and I think. It was really bright for the women's game on the island of Ireland, and I think that's probably what they set out to do to kind of fill that gap. It does replace the old League Cup, which isn't a bad thing either. 
Um, so pl- plenty of things going forward. I was hugely honoured personally to have been asked to commentate in the final, um, and to be there and to kind of see Galway win that trophy was a, uh, it was and to kind of not, not necessarily share in it, but to kind of observe observe their uh, delight at it was was pretty class, I have to say. Um, this week's fixtures obviously uh, back to the the bump and grind of the normal um, league fixtures. We have a game live on TG Car. We've also let's, four. Games, think, let's yeah. start with let's start with the TV game. I think. I think just because that's the league leaders. I know I said to you earlier on before we started, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. Piedmont United and TG Carr in PRL Park. It doesn't go well for them. It doesn't go well for them. But I'm, I think- glad, you, I'm glad you turned around straight away and said it. There's been three games in PRL Park on, tele- on TG Carr. Can you tell me how many times Piedmont have won the game? Well, they got beaten by Galway. Did they draw? With- got beaten by Galway to lose the league two years ago. They Then they... they- Drop points against Wexford. Did they draw from a winning position or did they lose from a winning position? I can't they, quite they, remember. They drew, they drew three all. Yeah. And then I can't remember what the third game was. Was it Galway again? No. It was, it was the week before they played Galway. Must have been Shells then. It was DLR. Okay. Um, my, my, my Bandana, is... Eve Bandana had the, had the game of her life in a, in a nil-all draw. Saved the penalty from Tegan Ruddy. James O'Callaghan, if you listen, I'm sorry, but I have to bring this up. Maybe it's a good omen that they're going to break. They might list. break at the weekend. If they lose, you're off the Christmas card list. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, it, it it hasn't gone well for them in the past, but at the same time, I think this is a slightly more determined payment than we've seen. They've kind of got a point to prove. They lost a couple of players. We've talked out to death on the show uh, this year. Um, and they'll want this league title more than they probably wanted any other league title in the last 10 years. I think they 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 want to come out and say, you can take the big names, you can take the, the experience, but this club is here to stay. And whether that's true or not, whether that pans out, we talked just moments ago about Rahini having to bow out. Maybe that's something that's in Piedmont's future. Maybe not this season, maybe not in five years' time, but it's probably going to come at some point. Um, because of the nature of the of the, the relationship there. But um, we all expected it this year. It hasn't happened. And I think the girls at Piedmont want to show that they're there. Could you imagine that team going, you can all link up with the men's teams, but we're staying with a junior side and we can beat all of you. It's a huge That's statement. Stubborn, it's stubbornness. It's, it's a massive statement. And do you know what? I say this often and I've said this to so many people. A lot of credit has to go to Dennis Cummins. Dennis Cummins is just Mr. PMMT. He's, when it comes to the women's side, he loves absolutely nothing more. You can see Louise Quinn when she's filming stuff before the World Cup in PMMT. You can see how much even how much of an influence the likes of Dennis has had on Louise. And I, I think for me, to see them still in the league, considering the heritage they have towards the women's game, is massive. I do, unfortunately, do see a time where maybe it may not be the case just because it may be taken out of their hands in terms of licensing, unless they can come up in an agreement with maybe a, a St. Pat's or something like that, that it may become something that the FAI sort of forced their hand down the line. If they do, then it'd be a sad day for Irish football just because of what they've done. But like, if I was to turn around to you now, Brefney, and say to you, six games left in the, in the season, who'd be your player of the year? You're straight away, you're going to turn around to me and probably pick two P-mount. You're, you're going to pick at least two P-mount players in Potentially, you could say at this stage, are all three nominations for the for the player of the year going to come from Piedmont with Kate Mooney, Sive Doyle, and Karen Duggan? Potentially. Well, yeah, two of two of those would definitely be my top three, uh, and I'm struggling to think of somebody to to replace the third. Um, it's been superb performances week in week out from Piedmont, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can seal this because we've seen them uh, we've seen them drop points at this stage of the season before. If they can hold their nerve this time around, and I, I do think that experience two years ago will probably be the difference now when they go into games that they should be beaten, they're now taking three points from. I reflect back to when we had James on the show last year, and he was telling us how much it hurt. And I think from not just for James, but for the likes of Messiah Doyle, Chloe Maloney, Lauren O'Callaghan, Dervla Byrne, Nevery Burke, Karen, all these sort of players who were there when that happened. There's a massive point for them still to prove. Last year, it sort of was a case that the middle of the season, that blip in the middle of the season, where the second half, that the, towards the end, it just become they ran out of games. Whereas when you look at when 
when they draw with Shamrock Rovers in the league, you're probably thinking at home they should have beaten Shamrock Rovers. Then when they go beat Shamrock Rovers on TG Cahar in 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 Tala the the last round of games, you're sort of thinking, wow. Like in terms of fixtures, like Bowes is probably the Bowes will be the highest ranked team left in in the, in the in the in the league this season. They finished with Shells, finished with finished with Rovers as well, and. Like I think the way they've sort of shown the character to even when they were beaten by shells, I think they went and won five games in a row after being beaten by shells in that uh, game where they were one 0 up and then all of a sudden capitulated in the second half, and that sort of shows the character. And like you can't question things like their fitness levels and stuff like that. Like don't get me wrong, I I got on well very well with the lads and Bowers, but if Bowers were to go and pull a result off them this weekend, for me it'd probably be a, it'd be a massive surprise, but and. I don't, I don't say that lightly because of a lot of time for people in Bowes. I think they're, they're they're playing very well this season. But just the way Piemont have had that consistency this year, I, I would expect them to start the season. The only the only concern being not necessarily the TG Carting, but the fact that it's the first game after the break. Rachel mentioned earlier they played they played Piemont played played Shells last week in a in a friendly. So probably the ideal team to play the week before you go back to the start of the season. Absolutely. And let's move on to some of the other games taking place over the weekend. Of course, uh, Galway host Cork. Galway on the, I suppose, the bounce of that win in the Avenir Sports Cup. The the loss of Gemma McGuinness slightly, um, I suppose, compensated today in terms of the signing of uh, a fairly big name in the Irish game. And that's Julianne Russell returns after a little bit of a break for personal uh, family reasons. Uh, she's back in the game this uh, this. Uh, half season effectively or DC just announced as we went to, to press today with this. Um, so she's a big name. We've both talked about how, how much potential she has. It didn't quite work out for Wexford. Um, but I've been impressed by the fullbacks in Galway. And I spoke about it when I was doing the commentary uh, in the Avenir sports cup final. And I think, I think she might struggle to get into that team as well, because uh, you look at both those fullbacks for Galway, the likes of Trace Canavy um, very impressive, solid, uh, probably stronger, um, just physically in terms of being a little bit older than Orla DC. She might not see that much game time. Then again, Adelaide. then again, it might be Phil Trill's idea to get Trace Knevy out of there, because if you, you mean look out last of position, year, not out of the club, out, out of position, because you look last year, Trace Knevy played in the six last year quite a bit, and she was superb, absolutely superb. I think the idea, if like, it could be, it could be an easy option from just to sort of put Orla in, Orla in there and put trays into the six and sort of use trays as a as someone who gets on the ball a little bit more from and breaks up breaks up attacks. It'll be very very interesting to see what happens. The only thing is, although they've only they've announced the signing now, it's not like she's only just joined the club because she's been with them for a good couple of weeks, as far as I know. So she'll have time to have bedded in, probably played in a couple of mid season friendlies as, as well. So. I think team news on Saturday will probably be very interesting from that game to see where she goes. I think Cork, uh, Galway are definitely going to have a massive bounce from the All-Ireland Cup, but I also think Cork will have a massive bounce. I think for the fact that Danny Murphy got that side to the semi-finals as well, only beaten 1-0 by Cliftonville in, in Belfast. There's a lot that they'll take from that as a lot that they'll take from that as well. A lot of learnings. It was probably the thing that Cork needed because their, their season was probably, there was a potential that the season could snowball and really come out of control. Whereas by, by getting that all on in cup semi final, maybe they might have learned an awful lot that they could come into the into this sort of game against against Galway in a much better position. Like you look back when they played earlier in the season, it was a slippy bounce of a ball that slid over the keeper's head. That sort of in in injury time was the was the difference from when Jenna Slattery's long range effort. So there wasn't a lot between them earlier in the season. I do think Galway have taken a massive step on, but I'd be I'd be intrigued to see where where Cork are now considering. The bit of form they picked up before the break. Yeah, Heidi O'Sullivan, the only uh, sign I'm aware of anyway down in Cork. Uh, will she make the impact that Cork might want? Didn't really work out for her a treaty either. One goal in 20 odd games in the last couple of seasons. It'd be, it'd, it'd be interesting to know. But then again, you sort of you look at when you when they brought uh, Jesse Mendes back into 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 Cork. That sort of worked a lot better after being being with Treaty. So. It's hard. To, it's hard to know whether whether Heidi will have that sort of impact. Former uh, an underage international as well, so could, could work well. Maybe Danny Murphy might put a little arm around the shoulder and say, "This is what I want you to do." And it'll, it'll be intriguing. There hasn't been that much movement movements in the off season. Probably a little bit in the mid season. Probably a little bit less than we maybe expected this year. And 
I'd say I'd say for for Cork we'll probably see the bones of that team that started the All Ireland Cup semi final. I would expect so as well. Yeah, Treaty and Shells, of course, we touched on with Rachel. Uh, it's very hard to see anything other than uh, a Shells win. The Treaty just re-released their squad list, I suppose. A couple of ins, a couple of outs. Uh, not anything major, though, and nothing that kind of caught either of us by surprise. No, nothing that's caught us by surprise. But from what, from reading on social media, it looks as though they made a couple of tweaks in their systems and stuff like that during, during, the, breaks, during the break. So... It'll be it'll be interesting to see how they got on, how they sort of second half of the season because they made a good impression on people in the first half of the season. So Alban High said if he can pick up a couple of win, a couple of wins or a couple of results in the second half, it'd be good for them. It's probably just a case of hate to say it, but if they can keep Shells to one or two nil, then look at that as a as a, as a positive from a Shells viewpoint. The first game without Jesse Stapleton. Be intrigued to see how Maggie Pierce gets up, gets on alongside Pearl Slattery. Sort of Maggie was playing as a as a right wing a right fullback. For the first half of the season, and then when Perry got injured, she slotted it to centre back alongside Jesse, and she's probably been the club's best player this season. So interested to see how she gets on. And I think for Shells, it's a it's a big couple of weeks, and it's really important that they do get the win. They do get the win in Limerick. Shells have lost so many players over the last few seasons. It's uh, when you see the list, it's it's jarring how but many. Then, but then you look at what keeps coming through. Like as Rachel Rachel said it earlier, young Hannah Healy is an absolute smashing player. Rebecca Dever would have played a lot more for them in the first half of the season if she didn't pick up an ankle injury. Like, and then you see they're adding they're adding more. Like I remember chatting to he's now the Athlone assistant manager, Ken Kiernan, at one of the All Ireland Cup games for uh, he was out watching P Mount P Mount and Wexford and he was talking about the youngsters and shells coming through and like the the high hope, the high praise he was talking about some of these some of these players as well. I think and you know, so the conveyor belt is continuing to go. So they're going to continue to churn out players. It's just important the next couple of years that they can hold on to them for a little bit longer and hold on to them until if they go abroad. Or, but then again, they're going to need support from from other from other out, uh, outsources like the FAI government and things like that. Because you can't expect. I know they've new owners, but you can't expect new owners just to start throwing throwing free money and being like, "Here, just spend what you want." That's not a good look either. That's not a way of improving women's football. No, given the, the current crop of players just added money is probably not uh, it needs to go in and grassroots and, and develop it from the from the, the bottom up. Wexford Youth's DLR Waves, um kind of a I don't want to say a nothing season for both sides, but it, they've really kind of just been in the league. Like I, I like how, what do you even say about the game? It's I was literally you know what I'm no disrespect to either club, I was nearly gonna say it's a, a nothing game. Because that's what it nearly is. They've in terms of the league wise, they've nothing to play for and they play each other next week again in the F, in the FAI Cup. So, like, is it? It's probably just a little bit of a dress rehearsal for the FAI Cup. I think. I think both sides will be looking to see if they can have a bit of a cup run. From a Wexford viewpoint, there's no doubt the first half of the season has been has been atrocious for them. The players they have, they should have been getting more better results, and they'll be looking to pick up that little bit of form. And maybe this is the opportunity for them to start. Like, if they go unbeaten for the rest of the season, potentially they could catch a Bose or a Galway and. Sort of put a little bit of a how would you say a little bit of a little bit of a better look back on their on their season, but where they are in the table at the minute, it looks awful from a from a Wexford viewpoint considering the, the players they they have. From a DLR viewpoint, it was always going to be a horrible season for them, just considering what they had lost and the changes that they, the changes that have happened in terms of you know players going out there and Graham leaving as well. Laura's come in trying to steady the ship. It's been it's been a difficult one for them. Yes, they nearly made the semi-finals of the All Island Cup, but like it's it's a hard it's been a hard slog for 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 DLR this season. I think they'll both both them teams probably have a, have a massive eye on that cup game next week and hoping if they can get a bit of a cup run. Yeah, some big changes as well. That Sligo Rovers make the trip to Athlone uh, for the last game of the the weekend. Uh, Scarlett Heron, a big loss for Athlone. Um, your thoughts on that move? Is it a good move for her, considering the competition she would have for place in Shamrock Rovers versus maybe the almost guaranteed game she had with Athlone? I think it's a great move for her. And the reason why is because Rovers are crying out for midfielders. Absolutely crying out for someone to play in the centre midfield. 
and it's something that I said during I said during the during the season that during during the season to you here on the show, and I've said on social media, that's Rovers' biggest weakness this season has been central midfield. That's the only thing I will say is I'm probably surprised they haven't brought in another one or two in that sort of area just to give it a bit of backup. I would I would honestly expect Scarlett Heron to probably start for them, to start for them, and then in their next game from an Athlone viewpoint, yeah, it's probably it's a big loss. They brought in a couple of players, a couple of players from America. We don't really know an awful lot about. I think from an athlon viewpoint, the signing of Katie Keane for me is a yeah. is a very good signing and goal. I I would expect Katie to play Katie to play and Katie to sort of make an impact. Well, they've signed an American goalkeeper as well, so it's going to be interesting to see how that team gets picked uh, on Saturday as well. Lauren Carabin comes in from Monmouth College, which of course is the alma mater. Of the of Maddie Gibson and Dana Sharif, who've lit the league up in the last eighteen months, so uh, we'd expect her to be a similar standard potentially, or have the same kind of impact because they're both players that everyone in the league is. Question playing. question for you is is that Dana, is that old uh, agent Dana at the at the helm again? Considering she got Maddie, she told us about the story of getting Maddie into into, into Athlone as well. Is that agent Dana at the at the at the forefront again? Listen, if it, it, she, if she is, she, she deserves a raise. Is all I'm saying because uh, she's bringing in players that caliber. Uh, Listen, the, the first two, the first two, the first two that they brought in for Mama have been good. So go high expectations on the next one. No pressure at all on uh, on Lauren there on that one. In terms of Sligo, we've seen a few players, I suppose, leave the club over the. Rather than going elsewhere, they just seem to have left and gone back maybe to, to local football. There is a new junior league starting in Sligo. And, of course, the, the Mayo League is fairly vibrant as well. So a few have just chosen maybe to go back to that level or have played Gaelic football uh, or whatever it might be. Um, Amy Mahan, who impressed last year, she's left the club, uh, been replaced by Quiva O'Reilly uh, as goalkeeper. She comes in from, I think, the fifth or sixth sixth tier in England. I could be wrong. It might be the fourth. Second here in England, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but the last couple of seasons hasn't been at a level that you'd be that you'd feel gives you confidence coming in from that level coming in and and uh, and and being an so impact player. Like I, be I'd be worried with Sligo for the. I've said that a lot on the show. Be interesting if Bonnie McKernan can keep her play, place in goal and goal there for. But the other thing for me is you have to realize as well there there isn't Emma Hansbury this weekend. Emma's obviously Emma's at the World Cup, so Emma, Emma won't be you back. Know, we saw her on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was actually chatting to her over, and um, I seen her over in I seen her over in Brisbane after the, the last Ireland game. I was chatting to her for a minute, um, but like she she won't be there. So it'll it'll be it's got it's definitely going to be a difficult second half of the season. I'd love to speak to someone in Sligo just to see because just to see how do you keep the motivation going when when things haven't gone their way. They've obviously. Managed to keep hold of Emma Doherty. There was a little bit of talk that would she go, would she stay, what was going to happen with her. Man, in fact, they managed to keep her probably probably the biggest positive. Um, but they're going to be probably over reliant on the likes of Emma and Casey Howe in the second half of the season. Yeah, Aoife Harren and Orno Dowd as well. Two players are surprised to see a drop out of that side as well. But um, it has been a great 12 months for Sligo since the beat shells. Around this time last year, I think, um, it's kind of been slim picking. Results. One, one win against Cork. Yeah, it's been it's been a rough period, but they do have enough quality in that side if they can if they can get it all together on the on the same day to, to take points off probably five or six teams in this league. Uh, you'd expect them. They beat they beat Shells last year. They beat uh, Wexford last year with more or less the same group of players. Keila Scanlon's been injured now. She'll miss the rest of the season. Uh, but yeah, Sligo. Um, I, I'm the jury's out on how they're going to get get on for the second half of the season. We haven't really talked about Shamrock Rovers as well, of course, as well as bringing in um, from Athlone for Scarlett Heron. They've also signed Joy Ralph from DLR. And again, I'm going to ask the same question: Has she moved from a place where she's going to play every week to where there's any amount of forwards in Shamrock Rovers who can challenge for those starting positions? I had heard that Joy would be would be on the move, so it was. If she didn't go to Rovers, I think she may have went somewhere else. So it was a case that where where she where she where where was she going to land? Um, if she can learn a lot off Collie O'Neill, learn a lot off the likes of uh, Anya Gorman, maybe it's a case that they're looking at her more as a as a player for the future that could could really ben- that they could benefit from. And she hasn't played a lot of football in the last year either, so that's probably something something as well. So. It's one of them that we probably have to keep an eye on and see what happens to her in the next next couple of weeks. 
finish it off let's take a look at the league table no we won't because it has decided it doesn't want to work for me um i'm just going to try and get it back here again we did have a technical problem just before we started the show um, love our modern day technology no it doesn't want to come up for us but uh, there's a six point gap we've talked about it enough today and uh, there's a six point gap between Piemont and the next two sides in the league table shells and shamrock rovers who of course are idle this weekend uh, all with the same number of games played seven to go in the league Piemont in the driving seat but we have seen twists and turns in the run into the title when two teams both of the last two seasons seem to have the title nailed on Piemont couldn't hold on two years ago shells just about did last year uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out this year we've talked about the, the fight that shells will want to keep that title uh, but plenty of action the whole way down through the table and uh, we'll be seeing teams pick up I do want to finish before the hour we've got 10 seconds last thoughts who's going to win on Sunday Aaron um, England Plenty of time to talk about that uh, on our preview show on Saturday. Talk to you then.